the allure of left-right politics and how to see it for what it really is, Bitcoin larger than four huge companies that you do know about, the dawn of the quantum economy and the quantum internet, the internet of bodies and the age of the cyborg, and psychedelics. It's not just for Joe Rogans anymore. It's the old school upgrade. Remember to smash that like button and stick around for Waking Infinity News. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Waking Infinity News. I'm your host, Ben Stewart, and what I intend to bring you is an elevated perspective beyond the left-right type of idealism, the idea that some things are good and some things are bad. I'm going to give you an example. We are one week past the 2020 elections, and we still don't have a firm answer on the news or in politics, whether it is Donald Trump staying in office or Joe Biden. And for the very first time in history, a female vice president who is also African-American and South Asian. The interesting thing is, on the one side, the side that looks like it's won, we have tech giants that are coming out and saying, we're, we're going to call the election. Joe Biden, congratulations. Jeff Bezos from Amazon, Bill Gates, formerly of Microsoft, even the former Republican President George W. Bush says this was a fair election. Congratulations, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Some people say, well, that's the swamp returning. Other people say, calm down, just accept your loss. Well, the other side is saying voter fraud. Take a look at it all, voter fraud. And the other side is saying, come on, that's conspiracy theory. No such thing as voter fraud. Nothing to see here. It's a fair win. Just accept your loss and please exit the office. So I want to take you back four years. Four years ago, the shoes were on the opposite feet. Hillary Clinton on the left was saying voter fraud. And on the right, Donald Trump and his whole administration was saying, guys, accept your loss. You lost. There's no voter fraud here. Okay. Sounds very familiar. If you go back even farther, George W. Bush and Al Gore. Al Gore lost on the left side saying voter fraud. And on the right, George Bush and his administration, guys, accept your loss, on and on, on and on, down the road, time after time, election after election, civilization after civilization, this wheel keeps on turning. And we keep seeming to forget what goes around comes around, and these are lessons that we haven't learned yet. It's like we're nodding off and falling asleep in the middle of a lesson, and the teacher has to smack us awake and say, hey, now I have to start from the beginning again so you understand the progression that got you here into this mess. Some people think it's not fair. We shouldn't have to start from the beginning. But we're always looking outside of us for the answer. We always think that that candidate outside, the one we've never met, mind you, that we only know because of other people whom we've never met that are spectators that are giving us the gist of who that person is and what they stand for so we can say, yes, they are my champion. While those very same spectators will say, the other person, the enemy, the opponent, let me give you the gist of who they are, what they stand for, and what they're going to do to America if we let them in, if we let that traitorous, evil, yada yada energy into this country. 
and so on and so forth, the wheel turns and we keep forgetting, thinking that the outside world is actually what creates reality. Okay, now the science, the new science blows this apart, yet we forget. Even though it's brand new science, we should be focusing on the brand new science, but we forget because we're so hypnotized by convention. So, convention tells us that we are a spectator, helplessly spectating reality. It is what it is, and we just come in and we have to deal with everything that's thrown at us. There's nothing we can do about it. The new science shows that the observer is creating reality, but it's not creating reality at the finished product of reality. No, that would look too much like Hollywood magic. What the observer is actually doing is reweaving the fabric from the bottom up, from the photons. The individual particles that we would call particles of light and sound and vibration and movement and they collect into the waves and they collect into the atoms and the molecules and the cells and the organs and the forms that we call our finished product of reality and we get so deeply invested into the finished product of reality and how they seem to keep butting heads with one another and we just don't get why there's still war we don't get why there's still famine. We don't get why there's still child trafficking and all these things that we hear about that we absolutely abhor. We cannot stand that they are part of our reality. And yet we forget that the wheel keeps turning, showing us the same lessons over and over and over again until we die and we get to wherever that is and we see Jesus on the sideline just shaking off all the sweat saying krishna you take over on this one buddha's passed out in the corner and krishna's like all right all right guys i got this one my dear child you missed the lesson of play school earth you play and you learn through play you include you don't exclude that's how you begin ignoring parts of reality you don't find one side that is fighting against the other side it's not a win-lose my dear child, you are supposed to transcend the pattern, not continue to repeat it. And you might be at that point, your soul, your whatever. Oh man, you're right. All the truly woke, truly spiritual people, not just the ones claiming it and being loud about how woke and spiritual they are. The truly wise individuals were saying this all along and I missed it because of the allure of one side over the other, because of the immediacy and the urgency that this election is the most important one in history, that politics is the only way. Why throw away your vote on another candidate? It needs to be one of these two people because it's right against wrong, good against evil, and only this framework of viewing reality will actually ever change things, when in fact it is the only thing that does not change reality. It is the thing that perpetuates reality the way that it is. So I want you to keep this lesson in mind while I move on through some much lighter and less philosophical news. Bitcoin is now sitting at $15,000, which is the highest it's been since 2018, where it rallied all the way to $20,000. The interesting thing now is that Bitcoin is larger than PayPal, Coca-Cola, Netflix, and Disney, four major companies. This is a dawn of a new era. 
The interesting thing is a lot of people are into gaming and there's this new game coming out called Star Citizen. You can make transactions and even purchase ships, but right now you can still only use things like PayPal and credit cards. You can't use uh, any Bitcoin because that would be looked at as black market. Other news in Bitcoin is the Justice Department seized $1 billion worth of Bitcoin from the dark web. If you don't know what the dark web is, you've heard, probably heard of Silk Road and probably <gasps> gasping at the fact that the Silk Road is where you, a lot of illegal drugs were bought and also even apparently some hitmen were hired through the Silk Road. Now, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater and let's take a look at what the dark web is. The dark web is the unindexed part of the internet. And recently, if you were to look at how much Google, Bing, and Yahoo has indexed of the entirety of the internet, 0.04%. That means everything else outside of that is the dark web. You can say the same thing about consciousness. Everything below that, let's say, 3 to 5% of waking consciousness we have is the subconscious. Does that make everything in the subconscious bad? No. And so you got to wonder, does that $1 billion seized by the Justice Department, is it a snatch and grab just under the guise of, well, it's from the dark web, it must be illegal activity? We don't know yet, but in slightly better news, we have heard that the Federal Trade Commission has earmarked $500,000, still not a billion, but $500,000 to be refunded back to 8,000 people who were scammed in a Bitcoin pyramid scheme. Now, it went like this. You give me $100 and I will guarantee you, based on betting on Bitcoin, I will guarantee you $80,000, right? I said $100 to me, right? The scammer. I'll give you $80,000 a month in monthly income. Now, there's a lot of sarcastic people out there saying, didn't see that one coming. But the bottom line is, is in 2020, the economy has taken a major hit. There's a lot of people whose businesses are going under. There's a lot of small private businesses that are really, really struggling, if not completely dead in the water. So those people may be thinking, how am I going to feed my family? Maybe if even a fraction of this promise, this pyramid scheme, is true, and I make a little bit of an ROI, a little bit of a return on my investment, I'll be able to buy groceries for my family. So let's not get down on them. Let's try and understand that this stuff happens, and we do live in a world where, especially in, in the highly technological world, you can't see somebody's face. You don't really know whether they're lying to you or not. You have to use your best judgment, and a lot of people are getting scammed. So there's this thing called the quantum economy, and people from the third annual Chicago Quantum Summit are calling it in. The quantum economy is going to be on the heels of what's called the quantum internet. And the quantum internet, if you guys are hearing the word quantum way too much, is based off of the second quantum revolution. Okay, the first revolution gave us laser beams and everything we know about quantum mechanics right now. It doesn't work exactly like physics and it's a little bit more superposition-y, meaning it can be in this state and it can also be in that state. It's hard to understand, hard to wrap your mind around, but so are humans. And this is why the quantum economy and the quantum internet is going to be put in place so, let's say, modern entrepreneurs who are basing a lot of their business around how people interact and communicate in this new digital era and also how value changes hands. Why is this important? Well, 
You may think that money is cut and dry, the numbers don't lie, but the bottom line is there's an exactitude of numbers met by the fuzziness and the flexibility of human notions of value, which is always fluctuating. So classical computations, which is soon to be of a bygone era, probably don't have the type of processing power or the type of finesse to be able to figure out exactly how humans interact, whereas quantum computers can take a look at a myriad of different ways that people interact and exchange value and, in a sense, have some kind of oversight. Some people are saying the exchanging of value shouldn't always be taxed and shouldn't always be controlled. And the way that the world has always worked is the powers that be seem to put that type of oppression on top of the people, whether you call it oppression or just oversight or just the way that things are, there is this looming threat of more visibility on every human interaction in the world to come. If you guys haven't heard of the Internet of Bodies, this is where I'm going with this conversation. So you may have heard of the Internet of Things. The Internet of Things is all of your smart devices. All of these devices are things that basically are connected among a grid, the smart grid. And the smart grid is really something that can control and access data from any of your smart devices. So we're talking about your phone, we're talking about your refrigerator, we're talking about your car, we're talking about your toaster, we're talking about your diapers, your pills. Now we're talking about things like in the internet of bodies, your pacemakers, your pancreas, your cochlear implants, your ocular implants, your Neuralink implants, and you may have heard this from the very start as your Fitbits and your Apple Watches. These are all ways of harvesting data from the human body, sending it to the cloud, sending it to apps on your phone, and sending it to AI. So AI and these quantum computers can start understanding not just the way we behave from an external point of view, but actually how we are behaving on an internal cellular and molecular point of view. There are three classes to the Internet of Bodies. The first wave was the external to the body, like the Fitbits, the Apple Watches, and that is something that has already been shown to uh, cause a compromise in military locations. Using Apple Watches and Fitbits have actually not realized that some of the data that is being proliferated from these devices gave away their location, which was meant to be secret. This goes even further. Now we know that they're smart pacemakers. This may seem quite harmless, but Compton Ross, who is a Middletown, Ohio native, he's a 59-year-old man, and he was just a victim to a house fire. His cat died in this house fire. He was able to get out, and strangely enough, the authorities found it odd that he was able to get most of his cherished belongings out of the house as well. And then they started looking deeper and they found out that the fire was started in several locations within the house, leading them to smell arson. So they looked into him, they found out that he had a smart pacemaker, they went to the company that uses the data from the pacemaker and they said, do we have the right to be able to get access to this data so we can see if Compton was moving around a lot right beforehand? Because if he was moving around a lot before the fire started, Chances are, maybe he set the fire himself. Well, it turns out they were able to use that data. Even though Compton may have pleaded the fifth, the device is not a part of his body like it seems it would be if it's implanted inside your body. So again, 
Innovation is always ahead of regulation and we don't know what's happening. Big data is bigger than big oil and we don't know what is happening with our data. This is a brand new age and many people are saying we are stepping into the cyborg era. When you have cochlear implants, let's say, and you are deaf, it can be termed as a medical enhancement, right? It is a correction of a medical deficit, if you will. And that is taken care of by one agency. But if it is an enhancement to somebody who has perfect hearing, then that is taken care of by a different agency. And then there's also the nuance that if you are deaf and you identify as this is me, it's not a uh, medical deficit, this is actually my identity, my God-given identity, then by the original enhancement definition, it is part of that first agency. Now, these eye implants I was talking about, Google is looking into it, there's Mojo Vision, there's many different companies that are actually stepping into this age of being able to implant a little device with tiny LEDs, thousands of LED lights on this implant, and it will be able to offer almost everything that your phone can give you. Meaning, if you're driving and there's this green arrow turning and showing you exactly where you need to go, because it's a heads-up display, but it's not in front of you, it's inside your eyes. Do you remember that app where you could hold it up in front of a poster that says a bunch of English words, but you can translate it into a different language, any other language that you want? You can do that right there in your ocular implant. You can also look up at the heavens at night and you can see all the constellations, just like those apps. You could probably look down at plants and identify those plants. Do you remember Terminator 2 when Arnold Schwarzenegger walked into the bar in the beginning and he started sizing people up with that data stream going through his eyes? This is the world we're stepping into. That's what these ocular implants are really showing us is possible in the near future. And there's a lot of people who think this is bad. We're turning into cyborgs. This is the hybrid future that David Icke was rightly telling us about. And you're right. It is that future that David Icke was telling us about. Our privacy and our sovereignty is evaporating rather quickly. Now, I told you guys I would get into China a little bit during this section. And really, the one thing I want to show you is that there's a startup out of California called VivaLink. They offer remote monitoring for COVID-19 mitigation so they can remotely check who you've been around, what your heart rate is, your temperature, a bunch of biometrics. But the interesting thing is, instead of going with a US-based technology company, they went with Alibaba. And Alibaba is this Chinese company that, interestingly enough, is also in control of at least 100 smart cities in China where they are effectively controlling traffic and the flow of all traffic. And they're doing a good job keeping traffic time and commuting time down 15%. But this is the smart grid that David Icke has been talking about forever. But not all things are going digital. Not all things are going technological. If you take a look at where psychedelics, these class of plants that affect the serotonin 5-HT2A receptors in the brain and cause for this incredible expansion of consciousness, you'll see that even big pharma is trying to find ways to patent these molecules so they can turn it into a medicine so they can profit off of it. There's this medicine called ibogaine or iboga. Ibogaine is the extract or the active alkaloid from this African shrub called iboga. Now for thousands of years these medicines have been used and this specific medicine is now being shown to help people 
get off of opiate addictions, which is known to be one of the hardest addictions to kick. There are some companies out there that are saying, well, let's just remove the hallucinatory aspect of Iboga so we can give people the experience without really giving them the experience. And there's a lot of people on the other side of the fence saying, you're missing the point. The, pr the whole point of psychedelics is to have an ordeal, to dredge up ancient content from some say even our ancestors, but let's just stay in this life. Early trauma in our life, whether from early childhood all the way up to trauma in the military, can be accessed through these medicines, all within a short, compartmentalized period of time. Like the Heroic Hearts Project with Jesse Gould. He's taking people down to the Amazon, or even just down to Central America, and these vets who have tried every pharmaceutical, all types of talk therapy to try and get through their PTSD, their intractable depression, their intractable anxiety, and one six-hour session with ayahuasca allows for them to get more help than they ever got from any of those interventions in the past. This is a biological form of intervention that shamans have been using for, some say, up to 70,000 years. Now, when we take a look at this, you have to wonder whether removing the psychedelic or the hallucinatory aspect of these psychedelics is going to remain efficient. It might, and I would say I'm not even opposed to Big Pharma trying to step in and figure out ways of augmenting the experience of these psychedelics. I think that's just human nature to tinker. However, if they ever step in the way of us being able to access psychedelics, if they ever step in the way of our ability to experiment with our own consciousness, this is the problem that we're stepping into. I have no problems with the pharmaceutical companies making new kinds of medicines so people who don't want to be blasted into outer space don't have to go there and they still want to experience some benefit, but allow the psychonauts to explore consciousness. I think psychedelics done correctly, done in the right set and setting, like the shamans would set up this container and they would use song, the songs that the plants taught them, to sing it back to the people who were on the medicine to drive the medicine into the psychological root of their trauma. I think we need to start looking deeper into these things that we once called woo-woo and pseudoscience and blasphemous and get our heads out of the sand. Now, is technology bad? Is psychedelics as a class of plants bad? Are these tangible things bad? Are the election results bad? Is a quantum economy bad? These are things that will become more tangible to us. However, can we say that it is good or bad? Do those terms have enough complexity to really place all those topics in them? I'm going to share with you the 11th chapter of the Tao Te Ching. This is one of the oldest spiritual texts known to man. And it says, 30 spokes converge upon a single hub, but it is the hole in the center that makes the use of the cart. We make a vessel from a lump of clay, but it is the empty space within the vessel that makes it useful. We make doors and windows for a room, but it is the empty space that makes the room livable. Thus, while the tangible has its advantages, it is the intangible that makes it useful. What that says to me, is that all of these things on the outside are just tools, but nothing will make it good or bad, just like a fire can heat your home or destroy your home, like we heard earlier. Fire isn't good or bad, 
It is the way we use it with a lack of or an abundance of responsibility and care. So it is us and our consciousness that dictates how all of these external phenomena will come into fruition. I'm not saying that all we need to do is sit there and meditate with our eyes closed, but I am saying that that is where solutions come from. And once you realize that all solutions emerge from within, then it's time to act. And I'll leave you with this. The Buddha said, right sight comes first, then right understanding. And then, and only then, can you understand right action. If you do not have right sight and right understanding, you will never know what right action is. That is the importance of meditation. That's the importance of looking within. And that's the importance of not looking at the outside world and saying, oh my God, so big and so scary. And me, so tiny, so weak, so fragile. There's no way I have the potential to overcome any of these obstacles. That's the old world. Let's hop into the new world where we realize we are the ones that control the outcome and the fate of who and what we are. And Mother Earth is probably a lot smarter than we are. We are probably in the midst of a great learning experience. This is the school of life, not the I came here with preconceived notions and I know what's good and bad type of life. No, we need to crack open our minds and understand that the things that we once called enemies may actually be the impetus to our great awakening. Like psychedelics, you may have a dark night of the soul within that six hour period on ayahuasca, but anyone who's gone through it will say, I needed that experience in order to arrive at the lessons that it gave me. These are all just my opinions. I'm your host, Ben Stewart, and I wanna thank you so much for joining me on Waking Infinity News. I'll catch you next time.